You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a podcast that's all about supporting parents as they bring up children. We've got experts and advice to help you through the more challenging bits of parenting. I'm Siobhan Hunt. What does it feel like to be adopted? Of course, that's a question no one person can answer for everyone else. But Dara Reid, an adoptee and now mum of two, wanted to share her own experience of adoption with children everywhere. She wanted to show that being adopted or fostered can be a great thing. And she wanted adopted or fostered children to feel their own sense of belonging. So she wrote a picture book. It's called We Love You, Hundreds and Thousands. Hi, Dara. How are you? Hi, Siobhan. I'm well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. Did you know growing up that you were adopted? I did know. I don't quite, I can't remember any one moment where my parents sat me down and told me I was adopted. They just did this brilliant job of seamlessly getting it into my psyche somehow. Um, I have heard that for some adults or kids who didn't find out until later in their life, it can be a really traumatic experience. So yeah, I was lucky in that my parents were always open and honest with me about that. As I mentioned in the introduction there, you had a really good experience of adoption. Um, What was that like? What was that experience like with your parents? I guess I had one of those um, annoyingly... (laughs) almost annoyingly great lives where I I got to, um, you know, do all the things kids should be able to do, like ride their bike to school and go to good schools and mum like ran me around and I got to do piano lessons and sports and, you know, I got read books at night and all of that sort of thing. Um, I had friends and grew up in a lovely community. My, My parents were separated, which was, you know, I was born in 1980, so you know, being adopted wasn't something we really talked about. And also um, having my parents separated probably made me a little bit different to some other kids in my area. Mm. But essentially, yeah, I just, I I really lucked out, I think, in that I landed this family that was um, loving and supportive. And I think, I don't, I don't know, because I obviously don't have much to compare it to. But I also, I think my mum probably went above and beyond when she raised me. She just gave me every opportunity and showered with me with love, as did Dad. Did you ever wonder about your birth parents or want to find them or know more about them? I did a lot. Um, I I wrote a note recently to my birth mum and I, I said, I sent her the book and in the note I said, I thought about you every day since I can remember. Um, and it is, it's something that I've always had in the back of my mind when I was going about my life I sort of thought to myself oh you know if I ever get to meet my birth mum I'd really like her to be proud of me or if I get to meet my birth father I hope he's glad that I'm here and I exist Mm. Um, so it was something I thought about a lot and it's also something I think that's come up kind of subtly in the choices I've made in terms of career and things like that I think I've always had this sense that my life was this started with this sliding door moment and that I was given this opportunity where I landed that life where I had access to good education and um, a lot of love and support and I've sort of always felt like um, almost like I need to pay it back that um, 
yeah, I was really conscious that life could have been quite different for me and that I really needed to do something with the life that I have. Speaking of what you decided to do with your life, you are a social justice lawyer. Has that given you an insight into adoption and fostering beyond your own experience? Yes, it has. Um, uh, Sadly, probably it's given me an insight into how hard it can be for kids Mm. and how lucky I was. Um, I worked primarily in um, as a criminal lawyer. I've worked as a children's lawyer and I've also worked um, doing policy work in a minister's office. And I think, you know, for me, I think people, children in particular that come into the contact with the criminal justice system, my personal belief is that a lot of them Um, something's been done to them or people haven't looked after them in the way they should or they might have some issues that they need some support with that they're not getting. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I was a lawyer and I saw some of the reports that were put in front of me about just distilling the lives some of these kids had lived through already and they're only 12 or 13 or 14, um, honestly, it would would break the hardest of hearts (laughs) to read some of this stuff. They're... There are kids out there who have done it so tough um, and it's it's like it's a miracle that sometimes all they've done is, you know, <laughs> gone off at their care or something like that when you realise what they've lived through. And similarly, when I was training as a lawyer doing my practical legal training, I did some training in care and protection law and I've read some briefs there that I'll, I'll never forget in terms of the circumstances some kids were living in. Um so, yeah, there are some kids out there who do it really tough, but similarly there are amazing stories of children who are fostered and adopted who have amazing families and go on to live amazing lives. And your experience, as you say, was like that. You did have a great experience. But would it be fair to say that um, even with that, great experience and the love that your parents gave you that there was a feeling of almost like an original wound so you you mentioned you were always thinking about your birth parents and wanting them to be proud and you obviously had a really stable upbringing and have flourished into an incredible woman from the sounds of things do you think that you know I guess in life things happen and, and wounds are what they are would you say that there is an original wound when you have been adopted? I think that's an excellent and very perceptive question. I think it has taken me until very recently to work out that, yes, I do think there is. I recently lost my birth mum and the emotions that that brought up for me made me realise that essentially I was losing her for the second time mm. and in li- in living through that process, I realised that that first loss, albeit when I was, you know, a couple of weeks old, was something that must be imprinted in me somewhere. Mm. Um, and I, th- I think, you know, looking back, and I think that's part of why I wrote the book as well, because I think through it, you know, I'm in my 40s now and over the last 40 years, I've worked some things out and I sort of thought to myself, it'd be, it'd be nice if I had a book that, you know, 
set some things straight, like you belong, you belong, and you're worthy, and all of that, right back in the beginning. So you you don't sort of waste years worrying about it. So yeah, I I think I would say that I I've only just recently got clarity around that, and I do think there is an original wound, and in some of the sort of reading I've done more recently, they even describe it as a trauma that essentially um, it's a separation um, and a pretty big one. And I think that's, I don't think it's by accident that, you know, I started writing this book after having my first child. And I don't think I was as conscious of it as I am now. But at that time, I think essentially what happened is some of those subconscious feelings did bubble up to the surface around the experience of having my own child. Yeah. And I've, I've since read, come across an academic paper looking at, um, you know, the experience of people who are adopted and motherhood and realise that I'm not completely alone or crazy, that it, it is common for that period of time to bring up a lot of things for adoptees. It's something I think what happens is you sort of frame your you have this story, you know, a narrative about your life and then you just have this baby and you're holding it in your arms and it it becomes really real what you were and how Mm. vulnerable you were and what what happened at that moment in your life. So, um, yeah, I would say it's not until recently that I realised that that is a thing. And all of that experience with your own baby in terms of attachment Mm. in terms of what we know about babies' brains. And obviously your parents went on to give you that attachment and that love, but for Mm. your baby newborn self, uh, I mean, it's just fascinating, isn't it? Because it doesn't, it it speaks to something that's a bit beyond what we know or we see or we can touch because it's just something so deeply ingrained in us that connection we can feel for our birth mother yes I I think there and that's something when I was lucky enough to be able to meet both of my birth parents and that gave me um I'd always been wondering you know I'd look around me and go where does that come from blah 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 blah. and in meeting them it really settled a lot of questions for me and I felt a lot more secure in myself because I could just it's all the little things where I could look at them and say oh that's where I got that from or actually, yeah, my hair is buffy, but that's from there or whatever, you know, little, like even the smallest of things. Um, I think the other thing it did show me though is that because I was adopted at such a young age, like I think it was like six weeks or it was like six or nine weeks that I went to be with my parents, Mm. that and because for the most part of my life it was just mum and I in the house, that we actually do have a very strong attachment, I would say. Yes. Um, and I think through my work working with children in out-of-home care, a lot of research I'm now aware shows us that it doesn't necessarily have to be the birth parent, but attachment is so important for kids, whether it's it doesn't necessarily have to be the birth parent. They just mm. need someone that they attach to. Yeah. And I would say in terms of my own experience as well, when I had my son, I think I really, that was a really powerful experience for me. Like I took, I think it's, everyone has different experiences. And of course, every mum loves their kids. But I think for me, it was 
a really, really intense bonding experience where I'd, you know, I'd wanted him for so long, but also having my own flesh and blood and officially forming that mm. family just meant so much to me. Yeah. And it's interesting to talk about that idea of belonging as well. So um, you had, as you say, the attachment with your parent, but understanding where we come from can be such a huge part of who we are. So if you look at First Nations people and the importance of their history and understanding language and culture and how inherently healthy it is to know where you physically have come from, that's kind of a a human need and it sounds like something that if you're adopted and you aren't given the opportunity to meet your birth parents or learn about your history, that you, you you can't get that, you can't have that connection. Or you look for it in other places or you're sort of searching for it for a long time. Um, I I 100% agree with what (laughs) you said then. Again, I think it's really well put and really poignant. Um, And interestingly, um, my birth father is Maori. Mm. um, And I, I, you know, I, I don't think it's by accident that a lot of my work has taken me to work in Redfern, Alice Springs, Darwin, and a lot of a lot of my focus in my work is around advocating with and for Aboriginal people. And I I think on some deep level, feeling racism or you know experiences like stolen generation more intensely. Mm-hmm to the extent that I can empathise on some level or whether there is a cultural thread there, Mm. um, I don't know. But weird things happen, you know, like, you know, I work as a lawyer and I've worked as a children's lawyer with kids in out-of-home care. What do you know? I meet my birth father and he works in um, (laughs) correctives, corrections, and he worked in out-of-home care settings in group homes with kids in out-of-home care wow it's like some I do it's just it is it sounds a bit woo-woo but I do think that some there's definitely a mix of nature and nurture in people yeah um and it's yeah (laughs) and they're all woven in there somewhere it's so interesting so when it came to writing we love you hundreds and thousands what was your main aim with this book my main aim was to show kids who are fostered and adopted that they're really loved and how special they are. Um, I think then there were a few other sub <laughs> intentions, <laughs> which was um, to show my kids that if they had a dream, they could um, make it come true. And that's brought me a lot of joy as well. You know, like I said to my kid the other day, oh, what do you want to do with like special mum and <laughs> Finn time? And he's like, I want to write a book with you, mum. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> totally. We could totally in this hour write a book together. <laughs> um, <laughs> of course so, Yeah, it's like totally a thing you can do. Um, <laughs> might have taken me five years, but we can absolutely do that in the next hour. Um, and I think I also wanted to sort of air the issue a bit because when I kind of go into libraries and um, look for books with for my kids, 
I, I've seen like I think one adoption book on the issues stand that's like a little bit didactic and just, you know, knocks you over the head with a message about adoption. Yes. But I didn't see any – I've never seen any like lovely, beautiful storybooks, particularly not Australian ones, about, you know, adoption on foster care where it's, you know, not necessarily the main thing that knocks you over the head in the story but woven in there just happens to be a kid who is adopted or fostered. So I sort of had that broader aim as well. And I would say on a really, really high level, I think I believe that there's a place for the sort of the head and the heart that I think on one level in terms of my work and my, you know, inverted commas, official career that I want to do work that improves things for kids in out-of-home care in particular. But I also think on some level to change society, it, it takes a bit of heart as well. And that mean, and I think it's a really that moment where kids sit down and read a book for us at the end of the night with their parents. That's a moment where even if you're not adopted, just kind of sharing that message that kids who are fostered and adopted are, you know, special and just like you or there's different types of families is important. And similarly for kids who are fostered and adopted, that's a special moment where you can just sow that seed that there's, you know, you belong and you are loved and special as well. Dara, it has been so interesting chatting with you and it's a beautiful book. Thank you so much for talking with me today. Thanks for having me, Siobhan. That's Dara Reid. She's a social justice lawyer, adoptee, mum of two and writer, and there'll be links to her book in the notes of this episode. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.